0: Welcome to Aerospace Unplugged. I'm Adam Kress. Hello, and thank you for joining me for the Aerospace Unplugged podcast brought to you by Honeywell Aerospace. I'm your host, Adam Kress, and this is your behind-the-scenes look into all things aerospace. On this episode of Aerospace Unplugged, we'll talk with pilot Alyssa Silva, Alyssa has been in the aviation industry since 2015 and has had a wide array of experiences in a relatively short time. She started her career as a flight attendant. Now she's working as a charter pilot and flight instructor. Along the way, Alyssa has taken a keen interest in mentoring and volunteer work, helping to train and nurture the pilots of tomorrow. Now, we're chatting with her today from our Honeywell Aerospace Deer Valley Customer Simulator area, where she spent some time with Honeywell's product team flying our new Honeywell Anthem integrated flight deck and providing her feedback on the system. So today, we'll dive into Alyssa's varied background in aviation, her work within the pilot community, and the future of aviation overall. So I'd like to say welcome to Alyssa. Thank you for joining us today.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Cool. i excited to be here.
0: Yeah, it's been great that you've gotten involved with a couple different areas of Honeywell here and with Honeywell Anthem. Uh, but I wanted to start with just like what got you into flying in the first place when you were a kid? How did you fall in love with it?
1: So I actually, uh, my senior year of college, I took a class called Adult Career Development and we wrote a book um, that helped me kind of take surveys about myself and kind of helped me learn. And I kept getting my career and interest in the world. I was like, oh, why do I keep getting this? Um, and then I realized I, I loved aviation. I actually went to Arizona State and was a eventually was a clothing buyer, but I was in the business school. Yeah. So I got exposed to the airlines when I was flying back and forth from Boston. So I got to experience flying on all different airlines, and then I fell in love with the airline that I actually ended up working for. Um, and I just, after I was a clothing buyer for a little bit, I just, I knew that it was all about seniority. So I was like, okay, if I want to be in the airlines, I need to start now. Right.
0: Yeah. To so the, so the travel bug kind of bit you, that was part of it, right? You liked going back and forth and flying and all that.
1: Yes. That's how some people hate going to the airport and stuff. I would get super excited and I absolutely loved it. And people, my friends were like, what's wrong with you? I hate, <laughs> I hate flying and traveling, and going to the airport, but I, you know, I, Always had a passion for it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You kind of get like two types of people who, I don't know, some people I feel like if they travel too much, like they could grow to loathe it, you know, security and everything. But then there's other people who like can't get enough. And the more they travel, the more they just want to keep traveling. Right, right? exactly. I I tend to be more in like that second area too, right? Where it's like, there's so many places out there, right? Let's just go and explore. Yeah. So it's interesting though, a lot of the people who I talk to on the podcast, like, they have these really early formative memories of doing something with their parents or they took, you know, some test flight on a little plane when they were 10. But I think people get into aviation in, like, all sorts of different ways, right, and at different times. So it's interesting that it was college that kind of started for you. Um, Do you remember, like, a specific moment or anything where you realized, like, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm going into aviation?
1: Well, I – When I was on the airlines, I would always kind of ask the flight attendants, like, oh, do you like your job? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, ask them, like, what's your favorite part of your day? Things like that. When I was commuting back and forth to school. Um, And then once I was a flight attendant, um, we would let the pilots out to the restroom. We would actually switch with them. We do this whole, like, knock the door, the flight attendant goes in. And then when I was up in the cockpit, I was just fascinated by the cockpit. So um, once I got in the airlines, I just, I loved being up there.
0: Okay. Yeah. Very cool. (laughs) Um, So tell me about like how your career actually got started. What did you actually have to do to start to, your first stop was as a flight attendant, right?
1: Yes. So um, when I was a flight attendant, um, I I did that for about a year and then I was a- Well,
0: just just to back up real quick. Sure. Someone out there wants to become a flight attendant. What do they do?
1: Uh, Well, first- the very first thing is I would recommend seeing wh- where you live and then what airline has the bases mm-hmm. that are where you live. Because of a lot of people that I worked with actually um, lived in L.A. or even Phoenix and would fly. So commuting for a flight attendant or a pilot is not driving, it's flying. Yeah. So they would fly across the country to go to work. So the very first thing I would do um as if you wanted to become a flight attendant is see which airline has the domiciles of where you live because commuting to work is no fun. So for example, you know, if you're a Boston-based flight attendant, you'd probably want JetBlue. That's sure. just yeah. Um and then see what airline and then try to connect with people in that airlines via LinkedIn or who you know or friends um and try to work through that way.
0: Okay. So then what was your path then? Uh, How did you transition from flight attendant uh, to pilot and then even instructor now?
1: So when I was, I was a flight attendant for about a year and then I transitioned into the office and was a flight attendant supervisor for four years where I had about a hundred people on my team, but we supported all of um, the airlines, flight attendants at every base. Um, I became very close with the chief pilots and um, I used to say things like, oh, well someday if I have a son, he's going to be a pilot and yada yada and they were like well why can't you be a pilot and I was like oh I guess you're right (laughs) (laughs) and um you actually brought me back to you know you said when there was like a particular moment on a test flight um one of the chief pilots actually granted me my first introductory flight um you know and at that moment I was hooked so he actually uh brought it was an introductory flight with myself and another flight attendant supervisor, and we got to go up um, and go to this little airport um, in Massachusetts and land on grass, and it was super fun.
0: On like a real small plane, not a commercial yeah, plane yeah,
1: now. super small. It was a Cessna, um, and loved it. Um, so then, from the office, I it took me like two years to gain the courage. The chief pilots gave me a motivational speech every day, but most of the flight schools are either in Arizona or Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother was in Arizona, so I created this plan that I was going to quit my job, move across the country, live with him while I was in flight school. Okay. So made that happen. Um, went from private pilot to multi-engine instructor. Um, two years, then I uh, was the woman in aviation Phoenix president. I was faring airplanes. Worked at Emery Riddle as a flight instructor. And with that, always doing volunteer work, whether it be flights for life or wings for humanity, um, either bringing children, cancer patient children to places or um, blood to places to help others. And now I do the medevac and charter out of Scottsdale and came back to Scottsdale.
0: Looking back at, at the journey you've taken. Um, and, and it sounds like maybe the biggest hurdle was just mental in yourself, but what would you yeah. say was like the toughest part to, to kind of break through?
1: The financial ah, of yeah. not having a job mm-hmm. over a hundred thousand dollars in loans, a flight, one flight lesson is with the flight instructor is over $500. So if you, it's definitely making sure you have, if you need the loans, the financial support, you know, my brother let me live with him. Yep
0: you need to make hope sure. you're flying your brother places now,
1: right? <laughs> Yes, he was actually, I think he was actually a little scared to get in a small plane. Uh, I guess. It maybe. was funny, you know, you know
0: your family, but it's different when, you know, yeah, he you kept, have a sibling who's a pilot, I suppose.
1: He kept saying, well, when you get your instrument rating, when you get your commercial rating, when you get your flight instructor rating, and I'm like, he's my big brother. So I'm like, okay. do you, um, are you a little nervous here? Or, yeah. But no, yes, I am flying him around now. So yeah, that was probably the biggest challenge. But um, just also... I feel like you know when you're. They say it's easier to learn a different language when you're younger, mm-hmm. and so just I was learning all different things my whole life, and then this was totally different. People ask me, "Oh, I'm sure there was similarities between being a flight attendant and a pilot," and I'm like, "Yes, one definition: hypoxia. That's it. <laughs> okay. There was no that was about it. Like I'm familiar with the schedule and the lifestyle, which is great, sure. and the emergency equipment on the aircraft and and everything like that, and I know, like, if we did have an emergency, emergency situation, I know what they're doing back there, so yeah. that would totally help me, yeah. but as far as the learning, I would say that was totally different as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I know now you, um, you fly some of these, like, volunteer missions, and, and you're, like, like hauling organs around and things tell me more about like what that job actually is and what you're doing. Sure. So
1: at work now we have two parts of it. So we do the medevac side and the charter side Um, with the medevac side. We're not actually carrying around the patients we have, like we're not an air ambulance. We um, position the doctors and the organs for organ transplant missions. So we take them to a destination where they do the surgery and then we okay. we
0: bring them back. So I'd have to think usually those are pretty quick turns. You get a call, you got to go somewhere. You can't necessarily plan all that, right?
1: Right. I'm always on call um, for all my shifts, whether it be the medevac or the charter. Um, and then usually if we, I get a, um, a medevac call... You know, it might be when we go to the destination, we might wait there from anywhere from like three to six hours for them to do the surgery and then wow. bring the doctor or the organ wherever it needs to go and then go back to our home base, which is Scottsdale. Okay. And then for charter, it's almost like Uber in the sky. Sure. So um, that could be even one time someone was trying to fly out of Scottsdale and their plane broke down and they're like, well, you need another plane. Are you ready to go? Yeah. Like, so... um, <laughs> But sometimes we do know in advance
0: for those yeah yeah, yeah, okay. Have you ever met any of the patients whose organs have been donated to?
1: I have not Okay. but i I have one of the volunteer missions we um, actually flew a a child uh, cancer patient to treatment, and it was so special and I met his whole entire family and they had signs and they were filming That's awesome. us and that was, that was an incredible moment. So that really touched my heart. But my day-to-day at work, we don't really meet the patients.
0: Yeah, I think people outside of aviation just assume that all of aviation is commercial travel because that's what they're used to. Right. But there's so many other like interesting jobs, it seems to me, for pilots and just in aviation in general and all these other sorts of charter services and medical and emergency and, and
1: all that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so what kind of aircraft are you generally flying now then?
1: A premiere and um, a citation, and then I also flight instruct. Uh, I freelance flight instruct as well on my days off, um, and that's an Assessment One Seventy Two, which I did my training in. Yep, kind so, of where everyone yeah. starts, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say most people um, start an Cessna or an Archer or something similar. Sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I know over the past several months, you've got to know um, a handful of people here at Honeywell who are working on our newest avionics, and that's Honeywell Anthem. So you've had a chance to fly our simulator, sink your teeth into this technology a little bit. So I'm curious to hear some of your impressions of it. So compared to what you've flown in the past, what were some of your initial reactions to flying with Honeywell
1: Anthem? I was totally, you know, in awe. Um, Everything that you need is on one screen. Um, You have other screens that you could have, you know, any information at all at your desire, but I love how it's so user-friendly and everything is condensed. Um, Right now on one of the aircraft, I have to scan. So if you can picture this, I sit on the right side, the captain sits on the left, and everything that I need to scan or some of the things I need to scan are on his side and some are on my side. So by the time I'm done scanning, that's, that's a really kind of a long scan it yeah. should it should only be condensed on one screen
0: yeah how many different places do your eyes actually have to go when you like probably
1: that? four okay. so that's yeah. a as opposed to Honeywell, everything is in front of me, the captain and the first officer can see exactly the same things. Um, Even in the aircraft I fly now, like the gauges are a tiny bit different. I remember being, oh, like, watch your speed. And he's like, oh, well, over here, it looks fine. (laughs) I'm (laughs) like, okay, well, shouldn't they be the same? But um, on Honeywell, you know, we were just playing around with it again, and everything is exactly the same, which leads to, you know, more increased safety in the cockpit as well.
0: Okay. What were some of the specific features or capabilities with Anthem that stood out to you the most?
1: I like how everything is in the correct order. So even when we were looking at like a flight plan, for example, you know, the ATIS, the flight plan um, is all kind of in order, right? So when I get in the cockpit, if we're going um, IFR, means buy our instruments. I usually, ATIS means like get the weather, and then I pick up the flight plan. Um, I love how it automatically like syncs to your iPad, um, Jason was saying, so if I have the flight plan already completed in my iPad, it just automatically goes in. Like everything we did today, picking up the clearance and stuff, probably took about one minute. Um, my day-to-day at work takes me, like, we get to the plane one hour before. And I'm doing it with a paper and a pencil. Very old school compared to
0: this. Well, I, I was going to ask you, and and you just gave one answer. How yeah. you know, How would flying with Anthem change your job today the paperwork it sounds like in the ipad like you mentioned is one way but what what are some other ways
1: um definitely more efficient i feel like increased safety Mm -hmm. um so faster safety um overall like the making sure that we have the same screens like i was saying so that involves safety as well so making sure that the first officer and the captain are seeing the exact same thing um overall, I think it's, I think it's great. Um, Way more user friendly and saves time. You know, even Jason showed me doing a hold. Um, By the time the captain would do that, that would be probably like a four minute process to enter all the information for the hold. As of here, it was like two clicks.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just, you know, quicker, more efficient and all of that is going to ultimately lead to more safe flights.
1: Exactly. So, and it seems as though you have it on multiple different screens. So if for some reason, one of the screens failed, you know, you have way more backup systems as well. Mm
0: -hmm. So when Honeywell designed Anthem, I know a lot of the thinking behind it was, we need to make this intuitive. We need to have the next generation of pilots in mind, and we don't want the learning curve to be as steep as it's traditionally been um, you know, with other forms of avionics and just training pilots in general. Um, so what did you see in Anthem that you think would help students who are just getting into flying learn how to fly safely and more quickly?
1: Um, I think, like you said, it would be an easier transition. I know most students probably train in, you know, a G1000, and I think that would be an easier transition, um, I saw like how everything is touch screen. I think that would help them transition. So it's very straightforward. You know, if you want to change the altimeter, you just press where the altimeter is and plug it in or the altitude, for example, or the heading bug. I really like how it's touch screen and user friendly and you don't have to go to, you know, multiple different pages to get there. You know, even on a G1000, um, it's not touch screen. So like your heading bug thing might be way over here when the heading's here, um, as opposed to Honeywell, you just tap on the heading and type in the number Mm -hmm. or with the smart scratch pad. If for some reason (laughs) a new pilot was super lost, if they just typed in something, it would probably Honeywell is smart enough that it, it understands what it's trying to type in, which is really cool. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. Okay. So I, I, I know, um, so you said you did like some freelance flight instruction on the side, Yeah. Right. Okay. So you're dealing with, you know, aspiring pilots who are going to be more apt to, they're still making mistakes so that they can learn. It could be lined up on on the wrong runway, could be, um, you know, a judgment issue. But, you know, getting back to making flying with Anthem as intuitive as possible during training, what are things that you see in Anthem that could help avoid some of those mistakes that aspiring pilots are making when they're? um
1: the traffic so i really like how the, the the traffic on the anthem is you know the blue with the the line coming down and it's like real time moving um also the the geo map reference how the aircraft is actually on the different approach plates moving with you mm-hmm. um a lot of a lot of accidents come from you know busy practice areas um collisions in the air, we have, we don't have, we do have ILSs, but a lot of the training that we do is at a few airports that have these certain approaches. For example, a lot of people go to Casa Grande, which is referred to as the stack. Um, so that is super congested and each aircraft is only separated by a 500 feet each. Oh. So it gets super busy in there, and there's.
0: It's got to be ta- stress- stressful yeah, too if you're like just learning, right? Right, exactly. Get surrounded by aircraft,
1: and the the student has the um, is under the hood, which means the foggles, so they can't see outside, right? Okay. So the flight instructor is now scanning for traffic, helping them, making sure that you know their airspeed. Um, they're doing the approach correctly, everything, but also doing the radio calls and keeping it. It's a, there's a lot going on. So with Anthem, I like the traffic. Um, I also like the, um, the moving map as well and how you can see your descent. So let's say, you know, for example, you said you were lined up on the wrong one runway. It tell you wouldn't, that wouldn't even be,
0: you'd be alerted s- immediately, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. That wouldn't even be something that would, that would happen. And if for some reason you were lined up, it, Anthem would, you would know right away as opposed to if you were in a six pack, you would have absolutely, you, it might take you a little bit longer. Something that I see students struggle with is their situational awareness when they're switching from VFR to IFR, um, especially in a six pack, because we don't have these user friendly screens at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say you forget to adjust, you know, your magnet and compass to your, um, your uh, heading indicator to your compass. Now you have a deviation and you're totally off your heading.
0: There's, there's some features as well um, for it before you even take off, right? Uh, Traffic moving uh, planes around you to avoid, avoid incursions and things like that.
1: Yeah. um, I'm really happy that you brought that up. So runway incursions is a huge, huge thing. Um, You know, that is um, I think would really help my students, my instrument students especially, is the three D waypoints and the moving map. So, if you are on an instrument approach, you have this moving map, and you can see all elements. You can see exactly what your descent angle is and the 3D waypoints along the approach. You also have a profile view underneath, which is really, really cool. So if there's an altitude that you can't go under, it will have the line, but it will actually show you in the profile view as well, which is on the approach plates, which they're familiar with as well. And it's super, super user-friendly, and it really, really helps with situational awareness, which is great from transitioning to VFR to IFR.
0: Okay. And that's something that's not available out there today.
1: No, I've never seen it on any other system ever. That would be super helpful. I wish I had that for my instrument rating.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Just one last question for you. We call the podcast Aerospace Unplugged. Yeah. So when you unplug, when you're not thinking about flying or flying, uh, what do you do just to kick back, have fun?
1: Um, I love, you know, hanging out with my family or friends. I'll probably go back to Boston, visit my family, but I also love Bikram Yoga, uh, CrossFit and working out and I have a bunch of pals there. So that's kind of like my my social time too. Um but yeah I I love it's it's funny when you're in aviation and you have aviation friends, it tends to be a lot of the stuff that you do. (laughs) So even on like our days off, they're like, oh you want to go for a flight to Havasu? (laughs) But you know, it even if we do, do I think it is important to have those times where you do a fun flight where you're not necessarily yeah. at work just to keep the balance and you know always remind yourself like why like what brought you into flying and what you love yeah. about it
0: have you ever been somewhere in the world where you've taken like a really memorable fun flight like some crazy place or something
1: um where like i've flown or been on a plane either yeah um like I- an exotic
0: location or something
1: yeah. Well, I actually, I well, when I went to Italy with my family, it was before I went to flight school and the pilots let me sit up in the cockpit, which is really fun. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've flown, um, myself, like my most, probably my most memorable flight was my, um, commercial when I flew by myself for 500 nautical miles for the first time. Um, and that was to Palm Springs and that was really cool. <laughs> yeah because I was always really nervous to to solo, so that was a really really big moment for me
0: very cool. Yeah. I was in Palm Springs recently for the first time, and we went to that air museum there, and I was noticing like there are like a lot of mountains right around that airport there, like it seems like it may be like a low key kind of difficult airport. It's
1: funny that you say that, um so yes, flying in the West Coast, there are mountains. Um, everywhere right um, I feel like Honeywell Anthem would really really help with that because you have like the moving map and the terrain feature which is awesome but um, especially with pilots that aren't used to that for example I was ferrying an aircraft across the country with one of my girlfriends from Florida and I noticed she was starting to not really seem right. I was like, hey, is everything okay? I could tell she was kind of getting some anxiety. And she just wasn't, she's was like, Lisa, I've never flown over mountains like this. Like I, are are we okay? I was like, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're at least 2,000 above the mountains. We're okay, we're okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, if we were flying with something like the Anthem, it probably would have made her feel more comfortable because you can see exactly where you are in relation to the mountains as you're going along and you have that moving map as opposed to in a six pack or other... Um, Avionics out there, you can't see anything close to that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I've never thought about that before, but like, yeah. Yeah, if you grew up in Florida or, you know, Iowa and you've only ever flown there, right. Suddenly you're flying over the Rockies, right? So, yeah. Whoa. So it feels a little bit different.
1: So um, during your commercial rating, you do a long cross country solo, and I flew into Palm Springs and I. There are a lot of mountains there. Um, and if I was using the Honeywell system, um, I feel as though the, the synthetic vision would have really, really helped me a lot because you can see exactly where you are um, over the mountains along with the 3D waypoints. Even if there was a lot of wind, it tells you exactly how to correct for that um and your your track vector where you're going to be and your wind correction angle it does everything for you so it's super super helpful you don't have to i know some you know when we're learning about holds and wind correction stuff there's like all these calculations that um we tell student pilots to do when they're using a six pack that is all done for you there's you don't need to whip out your calculator in the <laughs> cockpit and it it, it would have been awesome if i had that
0: um you know when they set out to to create Honeywell Anthem, 2, another kind of overriding goal was we want to make it fun to fly, right? Like mm. We want to make piloting as safe as possible, but also um, enjoyable. And you have a wide swath of pilots from people who, you know, are just starting their careers to people who have been maybe commercial pilots for 30, 40 years. Yeah. And how they were raised and the technology that they're used to can be wildly different. But essentially, if they're a pilot, they have the same job. Um, So some are used to uh, very high levels of technology and everything being digital. And others simply are not. That's not how they learn. That's not how they've flown most of the aircraft Um, that they've been flying for for most of their career. So, um, you know, whether it's it's piloting a, a volunteer flight or in a simulator with the students, or you're just flying for fun. What's the most enjoyable part of flying for you? What just gets you most excited about it?
1: Honestly, as soon as we take off, you know, that's just, I have this little giddy feeling inside. I love it. I love I love flying. I love being up in the sky you know, I I just love the feeling of of flying. There's nothing like it. Like you'll never get that feeling even like on a roller coaster or anything like that. Um, Being in a plane is it's something that you have to experience for sure.
0: Definitely. Well, what do you think is next for you in your career? You've done so much already, but like, what do you still want to do?
1: Um, I think someday I'll go to the airlines, um, but I definitely will still um, continue to volunteer. I think that's I, I really enjoy doing that and inspiring other pilots um, and people that, you know, I, I've i brought so many different flight attendants that were on my team to become a pilot today. And um, it's really amazing to see people's like success stories. And I just love that. Yeah.
0: Well, with Anthem, uh, I mean, you've seen a little bit of a glimpse of the future of what, um, you know, the, the next generation of avionics and the next generation of flight deck is going to look like. But if you if you think back to like, um, or if you think bigger to like aviation as a whole, we hear about urban air mobility, we hear about, you know, different types of aircraft and sustainable aviation fuel and hydrogen and things. If you were to just like try to predict the future of aviation in the next 10 or 20 years, how do you think things will change like the most dramatically? Um, I think,
1: honestly, we'll just keep improving safety. Um, I feel... Maybe Anthem will be in every single cockpit, hopefully, (laughs) because it's 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 amazing and really, really intuitive and user friendly. Um, I feel like there'll be a lot of things that will be done for us, which will be kind of cool. You know, fuel planning, um, weight and balance. You know, I don't think we'll be have I don't think we'll have to do those things by hand anymore, which will be really awesome. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. Excellent. Um, Anything else we missed that you want to add or you just want to make sure we touched on?
1: Um, I just want to say, you know, if, if you are considering being a pilot, you need to just go for it. Sometimes everything doesn't have to be all planned out. Um, you know, I used to say, Oh, well, if I have this amount like saved up, then I'll go to flight school. That amount will never happen. You just (laughs) got to (laughs) jump. I just got to do it. Mm -hmm. And if you ever have any to do it you should at least try i remember i used to like look at planes flying by and think oh well i should be flying that plane and i told my friend that and she was like that's not a normal that's not, what, <laughs> that's not like a normal thought that people have so you you at least have to try yeah. and if you try and you're like hey this might not be for me at least you know because there's there's nothing worse than regretting not trying it mm-hmm. so i'd definitely at least go for an intro flight and see how you like yep. it
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you again so much for joining us today. It was truly a pleasure. Uh, It was really interesting to hear about just your whole journey and, of course, your experience with Anthem as well. Um, And, of course, thanks again to all the listeners out there for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of Aerospace Unplugged.